Tonight on Fig Tree Watchers, it's Friday Night Prophecy as we discuss the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy. And I'll be joined by my co-host, Ayo, from Amitsu Study. That's next, here on Fig Tree Watchers. Hey everyone, good evening. It's Friday Night Prophecy. What a great uh, show we're going to have tonight for you as we discuss the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy. Uh, this is presented by FigTreeWatchers.com. You can visit us on our website. You can listen to the replay of this broadcast here on Instagram or on all the major podcast platforms from Amazon to Anchor to Spotify. Uh, and please leave feedback, like, and subscribe. We'd love to have you join us here. And if you're brand new, follow us here on Instagram and follow us on the podcasts as well. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, my co-host and partner, Ayo from Mitsu Study, will be joining us shortly in just a minute. And it looks like he has arrived. So I'm going to add him on right now. How are you all doing? And uh, may God bless you tonight. It is so good to see you. And I uh, just want to say hello to everyone. It's coming on. Wow. Got a good group of people joining us tonight. I can already see it. Hello, Ayo. How are you doing? Doing good. How was your Thanksgiving with your family? It was fantastic, and uh, it was good. I, it started out a little bit rough. Uh, yeah. We had a an incident where my uh, son had to go to the emergency room because he cut himself on a glass of uh, pickle jar that broke open and, and sliced him up, and he had to get stitches. And my wife was at the emergency room from uh, six o'clock in the evening to four o'clock in the morning, and. Uh, that was uh, just a couple of days before Thanksgiving, so that was a big deal. But uh, Jonah pulled through it okay. He was a trooper, and we were all exhausted and wiped out, and that kind of uh, left us a little bit. I was I was anxious at home. I couldn't mm -hmm. sleep, yeah. especially as it got hour by hour. And you know, the emergency room they don't allow the the phone on, so I was kind of wondering what the heck was going on with my wife, and uh, but. Uh, it was one of those things where the emergency room was flooded with sick children. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that is pretty wild that that happened. But at least it's good that he's recovering and, and getting past that. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, God is good and, and prayers were answered. And it was mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful that, that God was working so well um, in the situation. Um, and so we always give thanks to the Lord. You know, it, it's. Thanksgiving isn't the only day that we give thanks. In fact, oh. I want people that one of the things that I think is important is that part of loving God and loving others is being thankful. And I think one of the signs that love is is leaving the world is because people aren't thankful. Mm -hmm. If you're thankful, you're going to love other people. You're going to love God and you're going to love others. And that's what the duty of a Christian is, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And part of that is by being thankful. True love has gratitude. It has an attitude of gratitude in it. Mm -hmm. Gratefulness, thankfulness. Um, and uh, that is one of the signs that we're seeing in the world is not only a deterioration of love, but a deterioration of thankfulness and gratitude in the heart um, towards God and towards others. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you because uh, we definitely need that reminder of making sure we don't wait till, you know, Thanksgiving to make sure that, okay, now, now that's Thanksgiving, now that's this holiday, now we can give thanks, right? We want to make sure, you know, as you said, we have the attitude of gratitude um, every day of the year to the Lord. Yeah. So and that's just for the good things. We need to be thankful to God for the bad things, for the, the things that happen there. God is teaching us a lesson and God is, you know, causing us to grow and rely more on him, you know? Um, I look back and, and I can see that um, in the tragedy of losing my father, what it has done is it's caused me to become more dependent on Christ mm -hmm. in that and, and on my prayer time and, and a, a devotion to see God as my heavenly father. And I'm grateful for that. Am I saddened with the loss of my dad? Yes. Oh, yeah. But am I grateful for the lessons it's taught me? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we all see that in scripture too. That's an important thing that the trials and tribulations we face in this life, God can use it for our growth, for, you know, for um, just everything that he has for us in general. So, yeah. And for me, for Thanksgiving, I actually went over to uh, my girlfriend's house, her family. So we celebrated there. They also had two international students, two Chinese students as well that came over. So it was really a great time with them. And for me, my family will personally be celebrating on Saturday. It's usually what we do because my parents work on Thursday. And then she'll be coming over tomorrow, Saturday. I'm um, sober with us, so it'll be, it'll be really fun. Absolutely. That, that's good. I'm glad you get that family day uh, tomorrow and, and uh, enjoy it. I'll be working. <laughs> I do every Black Friday weekend. Mm. Um, but uh, it, it, is, it is good. Hey, why don't you begin us with prayer, and then we'll get started. Will do. Uh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, we can come to you. We can just be uh, joyful with all the blessings that you've blessed us with, Lord. We thank you for the reminder that uh, we shouldn't wait for just that one day of the year, that one holiday to give thanks, Lord, that we have so much to be thankful for, uh, whether through the good times or through the bad times, Lord, use it all for your glory, for our good, for our growth as your children. Uh, so we just thank you for these things, Lord, for our life, uh, for the food. Um, that we can eat for our family, uh, for the strength you've given us, Lord, for the technology that we have to even do this. We thank you for it all. We thank you for many of us that are in a country where we can uh, just read the word, gather together without fear of persecution, death, or, or anything like that, Lord. So we just thank you for those blessings. We pray that you remind us to not take those things for granted. I pray that tonight, Lord, may you just use our divine eyes as you usually do to uh, just give a message to your children that you want them to hear, Lord. Uh, we pray they use us to encourage one another. Um, they use this to also plant seeds, to share the gospel to those who have not trusted in your son yet, Lord. So we just pray that your will be done tonight and you use us for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You ready to get started? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's start with the first thing here. I think a good place to start, uh, usually what we do is that after we go through all the articles that we have, we usually remind you guys, okay, we went through all this, you know, not to scare you, to prepare you, to encourage you guys. But I kind of wanted to start on that first instead of last because Harbinger's Daily had a great article on fear and why Bible prophecy shouldn't allow us to fear, right? And this kind of takes us back, if you guys remember, about maybe a month ago, a few weeks ago, um, I did a, a episode on eight reasons why we slept about prophecy, but Stefan wasn't on with us at that time, um, but we both together came up with those eight reasons. And one of those reasons was hope, right? Bob prophecy gives us hope. So Bob prophecy rightly taught, rightly understood, doesn't lead us to fear and actually gives us hope. It gives us joy. Um, so I thought this was a great article to start off with so we can kind of set our minds in the right place as we dive into 
the current events of the past few weeks here. So the Starbinger's Daily article came out on the 24th. The headline is, fear of Bob prophecy may be a, quote, national response, but it's not biblical. So that's a very, like, wow, that's, that's a hard-hitting statement there. Like, yeah, it might be a natural response, but it's not biblical. And here's why they say that. They said, here, I want to address those who feel great discomfort at the mention of certain events on the prophetic horizon, things like global government and the accompanying dictatorship, famine, pestilences, wars, and financial insecurities, or all-out ruin. The natural response to threats such as these would be fear as we are all hardwired to survive and give all we have for our lives. The Bible says that those on the earth at the season, at that season will literally experience their hearts filling out of fear of what is coming out of the planet. And they're referring to the tribulation, the future time period. But the key phrase here is quote, natural response. To all those Christians who struggle with the fear response to any solid case presented for prophetic fulfillment, you need to know that while your reaction is natural and understandable, it is not biblical. There are many things in life that scare us out of our wits, and we will feel fear, sometimes daily. But feeling it and acting on that fear or living by it is not the proper choice for the believer in Jesus Christ, who longed to see his face and be relieved of any and all suffering from a fallen existence. This world is passing away rapidly. We look forward to the one wherein righteousness dwells. This should be good news to all those who are vexed by the lack of righteousness and justice in this life. So if you're one of those who react with fear instead of excitement or joy, I would encourage you to set your affections above and count all things lost for the sake of Christ. This life is but a vapor, eternity as well, forever. And only by keeping our eyes on just daily can we keep a proper perspective between what is temporal and what is eternal. So essentially when they're saying that our reaction of fear, it's about prophecy, and really anything in life, right, um, isn't biblical, what a verse that brings to uh, that, idea or concept to mind at least is second timothy 1 7 that says for god has not given us spirit of fear um but of power and love and discipline or of sound mind some translations say so we obviously know from scripture that fear doesn't come from god he's not the one producing fear fear comes from us not putting our trust in god as we should so that's what they mean by it's not biblical and the the response that we should have is to set our eyes, set our affection on Jesus Christ. And that's what we always say that we want Bible prophecy to do for you guys, to set your hope on Christ, to remind you guys that Jesus Christ is returning. Um, so as we start this uh, news update, this Bible prophecy update, now we want to just remind you guys of that. So view and listen to these news headlines and these passages we're going to be going through with that frame of mind. Not, you know, we don't want you to be scared. Oh, man, there's going to be a world, you know, world government and Mark of the Beast and this and what am I going to do and this and that. Uh, that's not, that shouldn't be our response. Our response is, man, these things are showing that Christ is returning soon. I got to be about his business. This is exciting. We're going to see him soon. Um, so, yeah, that's how I wanted to start. And I think that's a good way to start us off with the correct frame of mind. You know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in everything you say. And I, I think that um, one of the things to do is, okay, so how do, how do you avoid prayer? I mean, how do you avoid fear? You go into prayer right? Uh, you pray. One of my favorite psalms on this is Psalms 141, uh, where the psalmist prays and he says, Lord, I cry out to you, make haste to me, to me, give ear to my voice when I cry out to you, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. You, you know, that word incense is very reminiscent of what we see in the book of Revelation where the prayers of the saints are lifted up as sweet incense into God. Later on, he says, 
For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. Their judges are overthrown by the side of the cliff. You know? Uh, and he says then, uh, in verse 8, But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. This is very reminiscent of Peter keeping his eyes fixed on Jesus as the storm is all around him. And when he takes his eyes off Jesus, he sinks in the water. Mm -hmm. Right? Here the psalmist is saying, My eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. It's in that that we pray, that we are reminded that God is good and that he will not leave us destitute. And we need to put our trust in him in everything we do. And that's why we don't have to fear. Exactly. So the first thing we do is we go to prayer in the Lord. We put our trust in him. We put our faith in him. And that's the important part. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just want to add to it. Yeah, and thanks, Lady David, because I agree with everything you said there as well. And I think that uh, part of the um, the idea in those passages too that I was thinking about is God's sovereignty. Right? We can rest in God. We can rest in Him as a refuge because He's sovereign over everything that happens. We don't have to fear if God's sitting on the throne. We often go to Psalm two um, to make that case as well. That you know, despite the rebellion of mankind, despite the craziness of the world and things falling apart, God's sovereign. He's declared these things beforehand. Everything going on is going on as His word is said. So what do we have to fear exactly if our God is on the throne? You know, we have nothing to fear. So that's the reminder there that we want to leave you guys with. So the first article here, we weren't able to get to it uh, last week. Last week, we kind of focused on climate change. We focused on news on the Middle East, and those were important things. Uh, but we also wanted to touch on some things with technology as well, because there's a lot going on. It's like every week we, you know, come to you guys with the central bank digital currency and all these things and digital ID. Because in the news, it's in the news cycle that often, and there's new developments that often. Um, so we don't want you guys to get tired of it because there, there are new developments here. Um, and I'll just go to scripture first as to why we talk about central bank digital currency and all these things. Then we'll look at these articles. Um, so we go to Revelation, primarily Revelation 13, 16, and 17. I'll read that off. It says, and he causes all the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free man and the slaves to be given a mark in the right hand. Or on their forehead, and he provides that no one will be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. So a lot of you guys who listen to us on a regular basis, you already know our view is that we believe that central bank digital currency and technology like it um, may be used, not in this current form, but this technology may be a stepping stone to this mark the beast system that will come about during the tribulation. Why do we say that? Uh, because we've often said on our podcasts, uh, we quote, from secular news sources that central bank digital currency, you know, once you have a cash society or central bank digital currency, once cash is taken out of the way, there is a great paper trail, right? So you're not anonymous anymore. The government knows everything you're doing. Not only that, they have the power to shut off your assets. Um, they can condition on certain things. They can say, hey, you can use this digital currency, but only on what you want to use based on if you go along with our agenda. So it just gives the government a lot of control and it brings to mind that, man, could the technology we're seeing now be something that's used during the tribulation? So that's where we're making the connection here. So with that being said, uh, the first article we want to use to touch on this is from Decrypt from the 15th. U.S. banks launch a digital dollar blockchain pilot. So we've been talking about a U.S. digital dollar being, you know, looked into, but in 2022, and I think a little bit in 2021 as well, uh, the U.S. has kind of been ramping things up. They've been, they've gone basically from, uh, yeah, you know, nations are looking at central bank digital currency, but we're not really in a rush. 
to now they're, you know, piloting it, right? <laughs> so now they're testing the actual technology here. Uh, so the article says, while the crypto market is shaken to its core by the failure of FTX, traditional financial institutions are taking a step into the world of digital currency. A group of banking institutions, including HBCS, or HBSC rather, MasterCard, and Wells Fargo. So those are huge banks that I'm sure a lot of us might have banking accounts in, right? They're participating in this. MasterCard Wells Fargo announced on Tuesday, so again, this is from November 15th, announced on Tuesday the launch of a proof-of-concept digital money platform called the Regulated Liability Networks. So that's RLN. Quote, members of the U.S. banking and payments community involved in this proof-of-concept are pleased to be working alongside the New York Innovation Center that is part of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. According to the group, the platform will use distributed ledger technology, better known as a blockchain, to create opportunities to improve financial settlements. It would also drop participation from central banks, commercial banks, and regulated non-banks, including BNY Mellon, Citi, PNC Bank, SWIFT, TD Bank, Truist, and U.S. Bank. Again, a lot of well-known banks that we know or might actually you know, be doing business with. In response to the announcement, exiled whistleblower Edward Snowden tweeted, simply, it begins. The group says the RLN will run for 12 weeks and only operate in U.S. dollars. Participants will issue a simulated digital tokens representing customer deposits and sell through simulated central bank reserves on a shared blockchain quote. And there's the last one here. This project will be conducted in a test environment and only use simulated data. The group notes, it is not intended to advance any specific policy outcome nor is it intended to signal that the Federal Reserve will make any imminent decisions about the appropriateness of issuing a retail or wholesale CBDC, nor how one would necessarily be designed. So although they kind of give that caveat that, okay, we're, you know, we're doing this through the New York uh, Federal Central Bank or Federal Bank of New York, and then they're partnering with kind of these major banks that we know of, they kind of say, but you know, this isn't a signal that we're gonna actually develop central bank digital currency or anything, but again, you have to think of it from the progress we've gone. We've gone from uh, people like Jerome Powell, who's part of the Federal Reserve of the United States, who says that, hey, you know, we're not looking into it right now. We don't really care. We're not concerned. To now we're on this level where we're actually doing a proof of concept. So that's a big jump in thought process there. Um, so I don't think that's something that can just be ignored. Like, oh, okay, they're just, they're just not really taking it seriously. Um, because part of this, too, is that they're looking at nations like China, who is like far ahead in this race, and they don't want to be outdone by China. We've highlighted that as well. Um, so any thoughts on that? You know, I, I, it, there's a lot of thoughts going through my head. Uh, and it's, it's funny because th one of the things that digital currency is going to do is it's going to prohibit free speech. Right. And, and one of the interesting things that came out this week is that President Biden's National Science Foundation has pumped nearly $40 million into social media censorship grants and contracts, right? So the, the president of the United States, who is required to uphold the Constitution and make no law that prohibits free speech, mm -hmm. right, is pumping money into censorship programs. The government is now sponsoring censorship programs the president of the united states is doing this in violation of the constitution that he's required to uphold so you're seeing this throughout and it's interesting to me because you brought up harbinger daily earlier yeah. and i i just want to mention this because this was a I, I think even a bigger deal is they brought up an article and they actually 
brought this up under globalism. Why do many Christians deny the deadly intent behind the globalist agenda? And I think this is a big deal because it's absolutely true. In fact, um, uh, you have the globalist plan and how it's lining up exactly how the Bible predicted. It's all lining up. And anyone with just a, a simple ounce of brain power after reading the book of Revelation, just simply reading through it, can look at it and go, wait a moment. This is what it's all looking like. And it, it's, it's amazing. And then the, the next step, if you look at this in globalism, is artificial intelligence taking the world towards the perfection of global tyranny, right? So it's artificial intelligence. It's artificial digital coin, right? The violation of free speech, globalism, a one-world government, um, and then the, the, the globalism war, economic turmoil, devaluing human life, the day of the Lord, it's all coming. It's all leading up to this. And it's kind of like, you know, end times for dummies. You know, you, you, you can't even make this stuff up anymore. It's no longer a conspiracy. It's out in the open and they're telling you what they're going to do and then they do it. Yeah. And uh, even Pastor Jack Hibbs on Sunday, he played a brief moment from Charles Schwab Mm -hmm. uh Krauss Schwab Dr. Evil and uh it was like hey we're gonna do this one world government whether you like it or not here it comes yeah yeah and I'm actually um planning on getting into that too with uh one of the articles on um I think Macron who said that you know we need a single world order I forgot his specific phrase but hopefully we'll get to that later um but I mean yeah like really said concerning when he said that at this point, they're telling us what they're going to do, and they're doing or either like trying to set up for it. Um, it's just interesting because a lot of people who I guess still aren't seeing it, they're like, "No, that's a conspiracy theory and this and that." But it's like literally at this point, at this point in history, at this point in time, you literally just have to listen to what they're saying or read what they're writing, and that's it's as simple as that. As long as you have <laughs> the reading comprehension, I mean, it, it, it just gets that basically. Like you don't you don't even have to do any work at this point. It's just given to us on a solar platter in terms of their thoughts, their plans, what they're trying to use it for. And I think COVID really kind of woke people up to that. That man, they, I mean, they're just out there, right? Saying that, man, COVID is providing us a great opportunity to reset and reimagine the world and this and that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big thing we're seeing. Um, but hopefully, you know, um, what we want to see, too, is a lot of non-believers are seeing the truth of that, that they're seeing that, man, they're using these things for a further agenda. Um, but what I also think about is that as a non-believer, for people who haven't believed in Christ yet, even if they do come to that truth that, man, there's things going on, it doesn't really mean much if it doesn't lead them to the gospel at the end of the day, because it's kind of a fruitless thought on there. Because they, they come to the conclusion that, okay, something's going on, but for them, if they don't believe in God, if they don't think Jesus come back, it's just kind of like, well, do we uprise against them? Like, like what do we do? It's kind of, it just leads to hopelessness on their point. But that's where we have hope, right? That Jesus Christ is going to render judgment eventually and we'll be victorious with him in the future. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I, and I think that this is the key to the understanding here, right? Um, it, it It's not just the conspiracy that is happening here. In, in, and I don't want to get too much on that. But if you look at these facts of what they're saying they're going to do, it needs to draw you to the Bible. 
And you need to look through the Bible and you go, wait a moment, the Bible's true. And we say this all the time. Look, one of the reasons we know that the Bible is true and why we believe that Jesus is God and why we believe that Jesus died on the cross is Bible prophecy, you know? And we always make the other argument, it's apologetics, okay? The proof of the history of the Bible, 140,000 plus archeological digs out there. None of them have ever disproven the Bible historically. And then Bible prophecy is the one that we're talking about tonight, how it, it proves that the Bible is true. And today we're living in a time in which the facts of Bible prophecy are literally becoming true right before our very eyes through the newspapers, through digital news, through the media. It's all out there. And uh, I, I think that this is a huge thing that people need to focus on and, and understand. Look, I'm going to say this, and, and I know you agree with me on this 100%. Your hermeneutics, how you study the Bible, determines how you view Bible prophecy. How you view Bible prophecy determines your Israeliology, how you view Israel, and how you view your ecclesiology, the church. And in turn, that confirms your humanetics of how you view scripture. It confirms it. It's a circle. It's a perfect circle. And it flows one right, flows right into the other. This is so important to understand because if your hermeneutics is wrong, then your 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 eschatology, your study of the end times is going to be how you view Israel is going to be wrong, how you view the church is going to be wrong, and that's going to totally mess up in in your entire hermeneutics. And I just want to make sure that everyone understands this. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm sure you can go into that because we stress that a lot when we talk about you know the kingdom, right? The millennial reign of Christ. When we look at uh, premillennialism, that just Christ is going to come after the uh, tribulation, set up his kingdom, versus postmillennialism, nonmillennialism. And we look at those views and we say that, hey, if you believe in nonmillennialism, postmillennialism, you think that likely a lot of people in these groups think that the church has replaced Israel. So now you just got your Israelology and ecclesiology wrong, right? You just have a wrong view of the church and Israel all in one false swoop. Um, you have a wrong view of eschatology. And that really just affects large portions of scripture for you. Now that you're online or post if you believe that, you know, we're the, we're new Israel, or we, you believe that, oh no, you know, those promises of land that God promised Abraham and his descendants, they're actually filled in church. It really permeates through all scripture, right? And that's kind of the case we make for it. But yeah, but I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Excellent. Okay. So back to the technology discussion here, right? Um, we're seeing these three major factors in the globalist conspiracy that's taking place, right? As you mentioned, digital currency is the big one, technology, right? Yeah. We're also seeing this in artificial intelligence technology that is coming through. We've, had, we've done a lot of talk this last year about it. But in both cases, it's also about censorship of free speech, right? And the denial of God, right which is exactly what the antichrist is bringing to it's leading to this big antichrist um we're talking about the world economic forum really pushes this agenda more than any other group in the world right now and they're dictating the policies of it is this world economic forum kind of a false prophet signs and wonders uh, kind of is it is it leading to a false prophet uh, is it maybe the the one aspect or, or is it the catholic pope 
who's the false prophet, or is it? Are they both in that category? I don't know. That's hard one to say because that's kind of like you know pin the tail on the antichrist, so to speak, <laughs> as a joke. But yeah, I mean, I know often we joke about Pope Francis, right? We're like, man, he's really exhibiting some false prophet esque, you know, things. But we can't ultimately can't know, right? We don't know who the false prophet's going to be. Um, I think for sure it's definitely a man. Now, I know we've talked about this too. Like some people believe he's like, you know, from the tribe of Dan or he's going to be a Gentile and things like this. And we all talk about the Antichrist. It's like, well, where, he's, where is he going to come from? Like, you know, but you don't know. Um, but I definitely think that the World Economic Forum and like um, systems and forums like it are definitely contributing to and laying the groundwork for what the Bible is saying. I think of even like when the Bible talks about Revelation um, 17, about the 10 horns or the 10 kings, right? Um, Daniel talks about that too, where we see in Revelation 17 that the 10 kings will give their power to the Antichrist. Why? Because God has purposed it to them. He's put it in their minds to do this, to be of one accord. What we're seeing with all these global leaders, not saying that they're necessarily part of that, those 10 kings, that's not what I'm saying, but what we're starting to see is that one accord mindset. These world right. leaders were set in these positions, which Klaus Schwab, by the way, also said, and we've talked about I forgot the the school it was, but he did a school for World Economic Forum where these global leaders like Emmanuel Macron, they came out of this globalist school and he boasted one time that, hey, you know, we've set up people from our school in, you know, many major positions around the world. And we're seeing these people coming from this one place, having one goal, trying to bring about this one agenda, kind of like what the Bible says will ultimately come to place in the tribulation of the Ten Kings. Um, so that's kind of my thought process on that. I hope that makes sense. No, I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly in what you just said. I, I But we're, what we're also seeing out of the World Economic Forum are a lot of things that the Bible warned about, right? Digital currency, uh, censorship, even reli the religious fanaticism of the of the climate change people. Oh, we're yeah. World religion come in. We talked about that last week with the, with the fake Ten Commandments. Um, and we're seeing all these things come out of it. So we can almost say, look, there, this is maybe a foundation for the false prophet. Um, we can't say it is the false prophet, but it's mm -hmm. leading to the one world system and it's laying the groundwork for it. So you cannot sit there and go, okay, there's not a one world system coming. It's here. It's being put into place and it's on all fronts and it's by all world leaders at this point, kings and and princes uh, around the world and, and presidents and prime ministers, they're all supporting this one world agenda that is, is now here. And um, I don't think it can be stopped. I think we're now at the point where it's like, it's too far gone for it to be stopped. Yeah. And this is the first time where I've in my lifetime said and thought, okay, we're here. It's time to keep your eyes up on Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, or if you're a, a lukewarm Christian, you better get right with Jesus. It, it's, it, I don't see any, any other way. If you think the Republican Party is going to save you, it's not. No. Okay? It's not going to save you. In fact, um, there's a great article today that's out on the news that talks about McCarthy, who is the Republican leader of the Congress, that one of his best friends is actually one of the biggest globalists in the world and is actually one of the biggest lobbyists for globalism. Digital currency mm. supports the, the, the bank changes, is everything out there. 
So the best friend of the leader of the house is actually one of these globalists. Now, do you actually want to put your faith in the Republican Party or do you want to put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust God as we started out and not be afraid of what's coming? But because you have faith in Christ, you can believe that God is faithful and just and to bring you through these hard times. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have to keep our eyes on on God and not man. And we have to put our trust on Jesus and not any political party, whether Democrat, Republican, or, or whatever. So back to the news, though. Um, but I'm glad we talked about all those things. Those are also important. Um, but a news article here from the 17th, Fox News. This goes back to my previous point on the first article I talked about that. Part of the rush we're kind of seeing the U.S. government doing against a central bank digital currency is that we're looking at other governments, right? A lot of governments around the world are at least on the research phase for central bank digital currency. China being like the pioneer of this. And a lot of different governments are looking at China and being like, wow, they're speeding ahead. We don't want to be, you know, kept in the back. We, we don't want to lose in this competition. And we're starting to see that mentality with some um, government officials in the U.S. as well. So this is from Fox News. U.S. must catch up to China's digital currency capability in order to, quote, lead the world. This is from Paul Ryan. So this, is, this goes back to our saying, don't put your trust in the Republicans or the Democrats or whatever. The Republicans, they might think a lot of your back. I mean, Paul Ryan, right? Former Speaker of the House, I believe, um, of the Republican Party, right? And he's saying that, hey, we're seeing China. They're doing central bank digital currency. We have to catch up to them, not just catch up, overtake and lead in this initiative. It's like, oh, wow. I mean, and though, to be fair to him in the article, and I recommend you guys to read it, he does, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't obviously want like control of people. He's not, you know, he's not supporting of that, but he's just saying that we should take advantage of technology and, you know, take charge of it and not be left behind the race. But still though, people, people with ulterior motives want to use the technology for other purposes. So that's something that we have to keep in mind as well. Uh, but anyways, the article says, the United States must catch up to China's digital currency in order to avoid a threat to America's, quote, dollar dominance. Economic experts says or say in a new policy volume compiled by former House Speaker Paul Ryan. Ryan says that, quote, the world is going to digital currencies, which presents both a challenge and opportunity for the U.S. as the new technologies take over worldwide. Quote, if America wants to maintain its place as the keeper of the reserve currency of the world, which gives us huge privileges and advantages of the country, then we too should digitize our dollar so that we have the attributes of a digital dollar, which is frictionless, which is frictionless money, which is more efficient money. And a lot of people who kind of champion CBDC will say things like that. They'll say, oh, you know, it's great. You know, it'll stop money laundering and people won't be able to abuse money and this and that. Um, but they don't tell you about the negative consequences, right? That it'll all be tracked. And that's actually why some governments want to use it because they see that part of their, um, money part of their uh, uh, income, not really income, but just money that they're getting into the government is being taken away due to money laundering, due to these type of things. They're like, you know what, to get rid of that, let's institute digital currency so you can keep track of everything and stop that from happening, right? So the former speaker set a proposal for central bank digital currency presented by leading economic scholar and former member of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, Kevin Warsh is a tool that will advance national interests by encouraging competition without unnecessary government intrusion. Uh, last quote here, unless American policymakers recognize the new technology, technology frontier, the U.S. runs the risk of losing the privilege of currency dominance. 
Uh, now, again, the article in, in their defense, they state that we should move towards direction so you don't lose our status as a federal reserve currency, right? Or reserve currency, which that is in of itself is important, right? So we do have many benefits to the nation due to that status. But again, it's kind of like, well, do we want to embrace this type of technology just to maintain that, you know, because that could lead to another, you know, bad end. But, you know, it's, it's one of those, I guess, tough things to, to decide. But all I'm doing right here, though, in, in bringing this article to you guys is highlighting the thought process in the government officials in the US. They're saying that, hey, we want to jump to this because everybody's doing it. So we want to do it too, right? Absolutely, yep. Good, this is good stuff. And I think uh, we definitely need to, let's keep going because we only have about a half an hour. We're already in this thing. Oh it yeah. Fled from us. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing this, this, this all just going crazy in a, in a, in a, in a crazy way um, as we've been talking about. The focus isn't the craziness. It's not the storm. The focus needs to be we have to have our eyes set on Jesus, the one who calms the storm, the one who is going to bring pure justice to the world. And I think that's where we need to keep our focus on tonight because we don't need to be afraid, as you brought up. And I want to go back to that one more time. We don't need to be afraid. Put our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on him who calms the storm. Exactly, exactly. Um, so another news here, again, Central Bank Digital Currency, this is from Japan, this is from Nikkei Asia, the 23rd, this came out, top Japan banks in BOJ, that's uh, Bank of Japan, to begin trials of digital yen next year. So again, they're seeing opportunity in this, they want to begin trials in this as well. The article says the Bank of Japan is working with the country's top three banks and regional financial institutions to launch trial transactions of a digital yen this spring, and by this spring, they mean in the spring of next year. Uh, during the two-year central bank digital currency pilot program, the BOJ will work with private sector banks to test deposits and withdrawals from accounts and check whether the currency can work without internet access in an emergency. Depending on the results, the trial will decide whether to go ahead with the digital currencies or at least 2026. The central bank is yet to decide whether to actually move forward with the digital yen. Beyond the technical questions, the digital yen will require public buy-in as well as laws and systems to accommodate it, which take time to set up. The bank will continue to issue issue of physical currency alongside its digital counterpart. Um, we have another article here, I might get into later, but just from Zero Hedge, War on Cash, India rolling out retail pilot program for digital rupee. So again, just another example of different nations around the world, either currently looking into central bank digital currency, China being a prime example of already, you know, testing it for years right now and already employing it in their economy. Um, uh, Russia is in that. Areas, well, I think Iran as well. They're primarily trying to get into that to avoid sanctions by the U.S. Um, U.S. trying to get into digital currency to catch up and overtake China. And nations like India and Japan trying to just jump aboard the bandwagon, right? Um, so we're just seeing this all over the place. Um, so just real briefly, when I kind of switch things just for a moment, and I'll let you get back to the technology yeah back onto it but what you're hearing tonight i think is is a clear case of a the technology is coming to a place where it's going to betray us as individuals and if you're not lockstep in line with the globalist agenda you're going to be persecuted you're going to be attacked you're going to be vilified and even killed right just as the bible predicted 
But on a, another area where we're also seeing this line being crossed is the denial of, of Christ, the denial of Christian principles. And I think that this is going in, and I kind of want to just bring a little bit into that. This week, um, one of the um, cardinals within the Catholic Church was um, brought under fire, and he's, he's actually resigning um, because of infidelity. Uh, another cardinal uh, has been brought up on charges of fraud that have been uh, brought into the Catholic Church. And the Pope made a statement, look, there are some sins that are not as important as other sins, right? Um, and, and they're easily, you know, can be forgiven. And what this was is a denial of church discipline within the church. Uh, it was a denial of that, that God sees all sin as equally evil. And it was a reminiscent, reminded me very much in the, in the book of Ezekiel, where God tells Ezekiel, look, I'm going to take you, I want you to see the temple. And I want you to understand the corruption that's in it, even murder, sexual immorality that's there. And God tells Ezekiel, I haven't been there for hundreds of years. I'm, I've been gone. I, I don't dwell in that temple anymore. I left it. And I want you to tell Israel that I've left it. I don't even reside in it. I think what's happening also is there's a corruption within the church, the body of Christ, that we're accepting evil and we're condoning it. We're actually saying it's good. Mm. And I think that this is a really, really bad thing to pay attention to. Um, we have to say, stop, wait a moment. Sin is sin. Evil is evil. Good is good. And we have to stand up against the corruption of it. And unfortunately, it's not just in the Catholic Church where this is happening. We're seeing it in Protestant churches. We're seeing it everywhere. The corruption of God's word is, is, is being done intentionally by wicked people, as Jude says, who have come into the church and have turned the grace of God into lewdness. And this is a warning to us. And uh, people ask me all the time, you know, what do we do as Christians? We stand up for righteousness. We stand up for the righteousness of Christ. We cling to the word of God, the Bible, and we don't waver. And this is the time for Christians to be followers of Jesus, to be what it means, to be a Christ follower. That's what a Christian means, to be a Christ follower and not waver and stand up for righteousness. Yeah, yeah. I think news like that definitely points to the full in a way we see Scripture talking about in the last days. I mean, that's something we've talked about, about too, in terms of like, you know, the transgender story hour and like churches and things like that, where it's like, really, like, just like 10, maybe five years ago, that would just been crazy to even imagine like you wouldn't even be able to imagine that now that's just kind of commonplace in some quote-unquote churches so it definitely speaks to the times we're living in unfortunately um but yeah yeah and we just gotta just like you said stand for righteousness and i think we're going to continue being the minority and by we i mean you know bought blood saints of christ who truly stand on god's word and truly have a biblical worldview we're going to continue being the minority we still have to stand up 
um, full righteousness for what's good, just like you said. Yeah. So article here, um, kind of again, kind of moving away a little bit from the talk of digital currency. This is from Zero Edge. Emmanuel Macron comes clean. We need a single global order. So this is another story um, that was kind of, you know, a sweeping Christian, I guess that, uh, I guess Christian social media that focused on about prophecy. That's mainly where I saw it at least. But it was like, you know, every post I've seen, I was like, oh man, uh, you know, Emmanuel Macron saying, you know, New World Order and this and that. Um, and I just wanted to kind of highlight because towards the end of the article, Zero Edge caught, you know, it was funny because essentially what Macron did, and I'll read it, but he basically said we need a single global order and I'll read his quote what he said. Um, but of course the fact checkers on social media had to, you know, put a disclaimer that, oh no, you know, the New World Order is a conspiracy theory. And what Zero Edge pointed out, a lot of people pointed out in tweets and on social media is that, well, it's funny because again, these world leaders were saying, nowadays, you just have to listen to what they're saying. You just have to read what they're writing. You right. don't even have to like do mental gymnastics. It's just, it's just there, it's basic, they give it to you. Right. But despite the fact that they're admitting to doing this, <laughs> we still got the fact checker saying, no, no, it's false conspiracy theory. <laughs> you can't believe it. So that kind of cracked me up a little bit. Um, but I also wanted to pay back off of that and like reference an article from March to further kind of make my point here. But so I'll read through this a little bit and you guys will see what I'm saying here. So again, this is from Zero Edge. During a speech at the Apex Summit in Bangkok, where world leaders gathered, French President Emmanuel Macron called for a, quote, single global order. Macron made the comments while discussing the power interests of Russia and China and the threat of war. He said, we are in a jungle and we have two big elephants trying to become more and more nervous. If they become very nervous and start a war, it will be a big problem for the rest of the jungle. You need the cooperation of a lot of other animals, tigers, monkeys, and so on. So he was using that to illustrate his point. Quote, are you on the U.S. or the Chinese side? Because now, progressively, a lot of people would like to see that there are two orders in this world. This is a huge mistake, even for both the U.S. and China. We need a single global order, he concluded. Macron's words are sure to confuse the fact-checker industry, which continues to insist that claims about the New World Order are one world government or a baseless conspiracy theory. Even though, again, like we said, they, they the New World Order, one world government is like, we hear it like all day now, right? Even from right. President Biden. Indeed, much hilarity ensued last week when it was revealed that Google-owned YouTube had effectively fact-checked a video published by the World Government Summit 2022. Now, quote an article by that because that happened in March where they literally had the World Government Summit 2022. That was his name. In the video, the host of panel discussion asked H.E. Dr. Anwar bin Mohammed Gargash Diplomatic advice to the UA president, quote, are you ready for a new world order? <laughs> that was literally what he asked. Underneath the video is a fact, fact check box about the new world order, which links to a Wikipedia article that states the new world order is a conspiracy theory, which hypothesizes a secretly emerging totalitarian world government, which, by the way, the Bible prophesies about. So it's not a conspiracy theory from at least the Christian standpoint. The tone of the article debunks the notion that there is a move towards a new world order despite the panelists of the World Government Summit openly discussing that very agenda. And that, that goes back to what we're saying. And I'll read this second article quick, and I'll, I'll give back to uh, Brother Swan's comment on. But the, the World Government Summit 2022 that they're referencing is from March 31st. So I just uh, searched up a quick article from Harvard just Daily that we actually talked about. That line is, Globalist Summit asks if, quote, we are ready for a new world order, insists globe is on the brink of a dramatic financial system change and some of you guys might remember this they literally talked about how one day this current system of finances has to be removed 
so you can bring in a new financial system. That's a cash society, right? For years, people have been saying, that's conspiracy theory, that's conspiracy theory. But they're out openly saying these things. I'm going to read what this person is saying. This was from March. Economist and White House advisor, Dr. Pippa Malgram, during the World Government Summit 2022 session, which the globalist group titled, Are We Ready for a New World Order? That was literally the title. Asserted that the world is on the brink of a dramatic change from the, quote, traditional system of money to a new digital system enforced by world superpowers. She said, quote, what underpins the world order is always the financial system. What we are seeing in our world today is that we are on the brink of a dramatic change where we are about to, and I'll say this boldly, we're about to abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new one. And the new one, the new account is what we call blockchain. It means digital. It means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction that happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity over what's going on. And my, as I'm reading this, and as I listen, I'm like, wait a minute, who's, who's the one deciding that we even want to go to this new method? And who's the one that's going to be, you know, monitoring all these transactions? Why are they, why are they the ones that have all this power and get to decide where humanity is headed? Um, that's kind of a question a lot of people ask. But anyways, continue. She says, it also raises huge dangers in terms of balance of power between states and citizens, which is something we talk about. She said, in my opinion, we're going to need digital constitution of human rights if we're going to have digital money. Also, this new money will be sovereign in nature. When most people think digital is being crypto and private, what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were the first. The U.S. is on the brink of moving in the same direction. And the Europeans have committed to that as well. So again, the, the bulk of what I'm saying here, guys, while we're presenting this to you is that you're going to hear media and people, even maybe some believers, say, no, that's, you know, digital currency, that's conspiracy theory. New world order, that's conspiracy theory. Global government, that's conspiracy theory. Despite the fact that they're not only saying it themselves, we also see, as we read scripture about Bible prophecy, about um, the tribulation, that that's essentially where the Bible says things are headed to. There will be a global governing system of some type. Um, and I kind of just want to read. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, yeah go ahead up to you and, and we probably aren't going to get to the, your next article I, I, and i apologize to everyone no it's good but just for a moment right you're jeff durbin you're a pastor in arizona you're a preterist so you believe that they're all prophecies fulfilled right and you don't believe in the end times like premillennial view at all because you're a preterist right mm -hmm. jesus came in 70 a.d that's the end of it right How, how do you, are you blind to this? How do you actually try to rationalize and tell your congregation, Jesus already came. There is no second coming. We're in the millennial reign. There is no 666. There is no one world government coming. There is no mark of the beast coming. How do you, how do you sit there with a straight face Jeff Durbin, I, I'm gonna call. I mean, I'm just gonna say it out loud, and I usually don't like calling people out. But how do you say this with a straight face? I I don't know how, and it's this is so blatant. I mean, when everyone keeps telling you it's a one world government, okay, we're we're building it, we're going to digital currency, yeah. like it or not, here it comes, and and you deny. And you go, no, it's all millennial. It's we're in the millennial reign. It's preterism. Guys, 
Open up your eyes. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You have to open up your eyes. You have to listen with your ears to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Because I, I, I'm sorry, I'm listening to you and I'm going, how can anyone be an amillennialist now? How can mm -hmm. anyone be a preterist right now? And, and, and I know I got eight minutes left for you to finish this off, but I, oh, I'm sorry, I just had to, to say no. this. No, that's that's fine. And that's kind of, again, one of the arguments to use, right? And it's really funny because I think 2020 was like the year that's like, how can you remain as a post-millennialist or amillennialist, especially post-millennials? Because they yeah. believe, if you guys don't know, they believe that not only are we in the kingdom now, but that the world is gradually getting more and more Christianized and that we'll essentially had, hand Jesus the kingdom, which goes against Daniel too, by the way. Um, we right. don't bring God the kingdom. God is the one who creates the kingdom when he comes back. Um, but yeah, but they believe that the world is getting better and better and more Christianized. And so the whole world is just, you know, captured and captivated by Christianity. We're seeing the direct opposite of that. We're seeing people as we read, as I read right here and you guys listen, they're seeing that, hey, this is where the world's going. This is what we want to do. And it's going to happen. We're going to make it happen. Uh, we we want to see a global order. We want a one world order. And at that point, I mean, I, I don't know. I think part of that is just like, you just have to spiritualize those things and be like, you know what? That's not true. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I can't get into the post-millennial mindset. <laughs> but I think evident things like this, again, is why we use this to point this back to the gospel. Because we try to use this and talk to non-believers and say that, hey, this is what the Bible says the end times look like, the tribulation. These are the current events that are setting up for what the Bible says. If this is true, therefore believe in the gospel, therefore believe in Christ. So this is one of the evidences we use to ultimately lead people to the gospel, ultimately lead believers like yourselves to have greater confidence in God and his sovereignty, right? Because we see these things happening just as the Bible says it's going to happen. Um, obviously, these aren't the fruition of what the Bible says yet, but these are like, I mean, this is the start. These are stepping stones, right? The foundation is being laid. Things are being set up right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. And all I wanted to do is just, um, just reference some verses concerning world war government. You guys can go to like Daniel 7, 23, 27, uh, Revelation 13, 7 talks about, um, for example, Revelation 7, 13, 7 says it was also given to him to make war with the saints to overcome them and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. Um, so those are verses that show us that the antichrist will have power over every person on the earth during this time. Um, Daniel speaks to that again, Daniel 7, Revelation 13. Um, so when we talk about one world government, new world, or whatever name you want to call it, ultimately the Bible is saying that there will be a figure and all power will be centralized in him. who will have dominion authority over everyone on earth during that time. So I guess you can call it whatever you want, but that's what we're talking about from scripture. Yeah. yeah and, it, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Look, your hermeneutics, the way you study, view scripture, uh, it, it determines your eschatology. Your eschatology determines your Israeliology, how you view the Israel, and then your ecclesiology, how you view the church. And that confirms your humanetics, right? Uh, and this is so important because your systematic theology has to be grounded. It has to be in, in, in it, and it, it, it's a complete circle in it. But a lot of systematic theologies, they remove Israel out of it. Right? Yeah. Can't remove Israel because the Old Testament was all about Israel, right? New Testament's all about the church. So you have to have the balance in there, you know, of it. 
in order to have a clear view. And that's going to really help you all the way through with your eschatology, you know, and, and your hermeneutics. Yeah. Um, I know that's a hard word to say, and I'm stumbling over it tonight. <laughs> yeah, hermeneutics. Yeah, I, I triple hermeneutics. down then too. But uh, it's, it's so important, guys. And to be a biblical studier of God's word, have your theology be biblical and instead of man-made. Um, because this is one of those cases where we finally look up and go, uh, post-millennialism? What the heck is that? You know, yeah. it, well, how could that be true? You know, that that doesn't line up with scripture at all. Yeah. And so we, we need to, we need to be back to, back to this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, yeah, with that being said, I mean, that was, we have more articles to go through, but we don't have the time. So we'll just kind of end it there. We just kind of want to leave you guys off again with, let the understand that we present all this stuff, not to scare you guys, right? God doesn't give us spirit of fear. And we saw that in Second Timothy 1, 7. Um, but we were given these things because God wants us to be prepared, right? He wants us to know about it. For believers, Bible prophecy encourages us. A lot of these things that people are scared about when they read Revelation, like the judgments, well, Christians won't even going through the tribulation. So you don't have to fear the judgments. What you should be looking forward to is being reunited with lost loved ones, right? Who who believe in the Lord, who have died previously, we're going to be reunited with them. We're going to get glorified bodies. We'll be seeing the Lord for the first time, rule and reign with Christ on earth for a thousand years. So we have so many things to look forward to. Why, why do we need to be fear? And all these things to show us that, man, all those promises that God has for us, seeing the Lord face to face, that's just one day sooner and sooner and sooner, right? Every minute that passes is one minute closer to what the Bible says he's promised for us. So that's something to rejoice in. And for those of you who haven't believed on the Lord yet, and you've seen the evidence of it, you've seen that, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. What do we do about it? Well, what you have to do about it is place your trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for you. He paid the punishment that you had. Because the Bible makes it clear, you've all sinned. Because God is just and holy, he has to punish that sin. All sin done is done against him. And he has to punish that sin, which means once we die apart from Christ, we go to hell and then ultimately like a fire. But God, because he loved us, he sent his son to take that punishment on our behalf. So you live the perfect life, when's the cross, God's wrath was poured on him in our stead. And when you believe on that sacrifice, that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, you will have eternal life, right? And that's the ultimate point of this I want to remind you about, that you'll have eternal life. So you won't go through that terrible time, um, but even better, right? The Bible says that our life is like a vapor, here today, gone tomorrow. So you might not even see the tribulation because your life might end tomorrow, you never know. So our exhortation to you is don't wait another day. Like Paul says, today is the day of salvation. Believe on the Lord now. Um, you'll be saved. And you also have hope in these promises that the Lord has provided for us. You also have hope while the world is seemingly, you know, breaking down all around us. So that's what we want to kind of leave you guys with tonight. Amen. That is fantastic. And uh, we want to say thank you for joining us tonight here on Fig Tree Watchers as we have presented Friday Night Prophecy. Uh, please join us next week again on Friday night as we will be going over the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy. Good night, everyone, and God bless you. Have a good night, guys.